With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 28. I am one of the hosts of the show, Eugene. You can follow me on Twitter at Fantasy Jeans, G-E-N-E-S. You can also fill, follow our official Twitter handle, Off the Line FF. And as always, I have a co-host with me, Ike. How are you doing? How are you feeling today? NBA Finals starts tonight. How are you doing tonight? Good, man. Good. Um, just ready to ready to rock. Ready to rock, man. It's going to be a pretty good series. Um, I I think I think you know uh, you know Golden State going to try to continue their dynasty, and then you know Boston, man. They 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 did their thing in Game Seven against the Heat, just like many of us thought thought they would. Um, and you know Jason Tatum is, is is trying to make a statement. He's trying to put himself up there in the. The, the the top five NBA players, man. Uh, so it's it should be a, it should be a fun series, should be an interesting series. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, man. Uh, game one's gonna get it popping tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to you know watch watch how the city series unfolds for sure. Uh, I think the Warriors are gonna win, but uh, we should get a good a good series of uh of games. So um, you know, also you know we've been going through our series of uh, team outlooks uh, this week. We're going to be talking about the AFC West. I know people have been going crazy at on Twitter, looking at OTAs and, and seeing people catching six yard, six yard out routes. And, Oh my God, he he's wide receiver too, or, Oh man, he, his quads are out. So he, he's ready to the, the <laughs> lead the, the backfield and all this other stuff. So it's always funny seeing, seeing quick reactions about little small clips and people in, in t-shirts and, and shorts. Yep. Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting time. You know, kind of a kind of a down, kind of a down part of the year, but you know, in a couple of months is it's preseason, training camps. Yep. Uh, hell, at the end of July, at the end of the next month, it's you yep. know, training camps and then you know, we get the Hall of Fame game and then we get the preseason game, so we're going to start seeing these guys in pads. So that's going to be a pretty exciting time and I'm sure a lot will change between now and then, you know, especially with ADPs and player news and all and there may be some more transactions. Who knows? Some other players may get traded. So, you know, we, we 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 never know. Um, a lot can a lot can change. So I'm looking forward to, to you know to the build up uh, until until training camps and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I just saw an alert that Tavon Austin got uh, signed to the Bills for whatever that's worth. So 
<laughs> I, I, I can't believe you even <laughs> decided to waste the audience's time even <laughs> mentioning that. <laughs> I, I apologize on behalf of the show that you know he, he, he felt the need to to tell us that Tavon Austin is is relevant in 2022. Hey, there's somebody Yikes. out there. There's somebody out there that that wants that information. So you know, I just wanted to put that out there real quick. All right, so you know, let's go ahead and start talking about some of these teams. Which team do you want to start with first? Yeah, let's go ahead and get started with the Denver Broncos. You know, they've had a pretty a pretty cool off season. You know, if you're a Broncos fan, you should you should be very very excited. The obvious the obvious transaction was they traded for Russell Wilson. They traded multiple first multiple picks, Andrew Locke and Noah Fant, you know, to to land a franchise quarterback in the middle of his prime and age 33. Um, that was probably the biggest needle moving the you know the, the biggest needle mover one of the biggest needle movers of the off season. You know, I, we've had a lot of crazy trades, but this is this this is definitely up there. Um, perfect fit for the Broncos, given all the all the all the talent they have on the outside. You know, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Albert Okunabunum. Um, you know, they had KJ Hamler coming off of an ACL injury. He's a speedster out of Penn State a couple of years ago, ran a four three, and they also have Tim Patrick, who's a, a very reliable third you know third receiver. Um, but they also re-signed Melvin Gordon. Obviously, much to the chagrin of Javante Williams, fantasy owners, dynasty owners, for that matter. But, you know, they'll have to wait another year for him to truly, you know, take off as that top, you know, three dynasty running back just in due time. Um, and they signed a, a couple of offensive linemen. They signed Compton and Billy Turner to one-year deals. So that, that, that'll actually help their offensive line a little bit more um, to protect Russell Wilson and to, you know, to strengthen and bolster the running game. Um, in addition to that, they lost Teddy Bridgewater to the Dolphins. So they've just basically revamped that entire quarterback room um, with, you know, <laughs> the Seahawks all-time leading passer who's still in his prime. And you don't really see trades like this these days, right? You just see, you know, you, you don't you don't see, you know, franchise quarterbacks in the middle of their prime switch teams in the middle of their career like that. Um, you know, the you know, we we knew for a while that Russell Wilson and the and the Seahawks were were at odds. They the, the cracks showed, you know, a, you know, a year and a half ago. And we knew that it was pretty much inevitable that he was going to get traded. And I've been on record, you know, dur- you know, earlier in the offseason and during the during the regular season that, look, Russell Wilson is not going to he's, he's not going to play another down for the Seahawks after the season. He's going to get traded. And, you know, Pete Carroll, P.D. Poppins kept trying to say, oh, you know, everything's good. Everything's fine. Russell Wilson is still our franchise quarterback, blah, 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 blah. You know, everything was, you know, peaches and cream, sunshines and rainbows. But we all knew the underlying truth that he was gone. And that's what happened. So, um, you know, that kind of leads us into, you know, the basically the biggest question. Can Russell Wilson take this team to the next level? Is this roster, is this team truly a quarterback away in such a tough division of the AFC West? I feel like they wouldn't have made this move if they didn't feel like that this was the piece they needed to, you know, get over that hump, not only get to the playoffs, but make a Super Bowl run. We saw this do we saw this this regime do this with um you know with uh with Peyton Manning and they mustered a way to get to the Super Bowl and win one up, obviously. Uh I think they're with their the offensive core that they have is intact, the running backs. Uh, the defense, especially their secondary, I think they're very, very well equipped to, you know, make that Super Bowl type of run. It's going to be tough in this division, but uh, they definitely have the pieces to to potentially do it. 
How about what do you think? Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, again, as I, as I mentioned in the outset, I think this team is a quarterback away, and um, you know, I, I think, and you know, we'll we'll get to the other teams, you know, here in a second, but I think Kansas City is is in for some, you know, uh, for some for a decline. Um, Russell Wilson is probably, you know, <laughs> we we don't know where to rank them. We don't we don't know where to rank these quarterbacks, you know, from best to worst. But there's there's four pretty pretty darn good quarterbacks um in this division. Um, even you know Derek Carr has shown flashes of being pretty darn good. I don't you know I don't have the highest you know opinion of him, but he, he's he's shown flashes that he's that he can be pretty good. So um, this is a pretty tough uh, division, but I think you know the Broncos in terms of how they're constructed. Um, they they can definitely take the next step and, and be and be something and definitely challenge to at least uh, win the division. And I think this division overall, it's they're just gonna they're just gonna beat the hell out of each other. I don't think anybody's gonna have more than eleven wins. I, you know, I think it's gonna be a lot of ten and sevens. Maybe one team has eleven wins, but outside of that, I think it's gonna be a bunch of ten and sevens, nine and eights, um, because the division is so good. It doesn't really it doesn't speak to their lack a lack of talent because there's no, there's no lack of talent if you look across this division but you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, slugfest a lot of shootouts i think uh, i believe they cross with the nfc west and uh, this division crosses with the nfc west so you're going to see a lot of shootouts um, between those two teams and plus you know you, you know you have mahomes and russell wilson twice a year mahomes you know uh, uh you know russell wilson justin herbert twice a year so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a very, very fun time uh, for the, for this uh, division. But I think the, the Broncos for sure um, can take the next step. And then speaking and then speaking of taking the next step, you know, let's let's talk about the receivers really quick. There's obviously they all benefit from having an upgraded quarterback. You know, Sutton, you know, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, even tight end uh, Albro. They all they all benefit um, from having an upgrade, but in terms of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, the two basically the highest ADP, they have the highest ADPs out of any uh, out of the Broncos pass catchers. Who does this Russell Wilson acquisition benefit more, and who would you rather draft? Who? Um, I think I think both my answers would be Sutton, um, just because he's the more veteran out of the two. We've seen Sutton perform at a very high level in this league so far um, outside of the, I, mean, I think his his second year in the league, we saw him put up a, a thousand plus season uh, just basically where we thought he was going to explode his third year. He ends up turning his ACL, um, but just overall, I feel more comfortable. I think, I think Russell Wilson would be more comfortable with somebody like, like Cortinson because he can run the, the, the intermediate route, obviously, because he's, uh, He's a, a decent route runner. He can win that. He can also win the the, the deep ball routes. Uh, we saw him uh, in 2019, his sophomore his sophomore season in the NFL. He had what two point almost 2.5 yards per route ran, which which was uh, I think top ten. Uh, anything yeah, around it was, that range? It was, it, was 12, it, was 12, it was 12 in the NFL. Yeah. So anything around that range, I mean, that's elite. So. I know we're looking to, to to get back to somewhere around that level uh, with this type of quarterback. He can definitely get to that. It just overall, I just I trust Sutton to to be his be the player that Russell Wilson looks to to make make the biggest plays uh, for this team next season. I mean, I like I like Jerry Judy, but we're yet to see see anything that would that lead me to believe that he can he would be the one that would be the alpha out of this group. 
How about you? Yeah, I think it's obvious for me. It's it's Cortland Sutton as well. You know, as you mentioned, he he already has over a thousand yards um, on his resume in 2019. I mean, he was he was pretty much dominant for that Broncos team, but just you know, catching passes from ca- catching passes from Drew Locke. I mean, he was number one in the league in area. He was number one in the league in air yards share at 42.9 percent. Um, he had just shy of 1600 total air yards that year, and that was and that was number uh, that was number ten in the NFL. He was number 11 in deep targets, and then he dominated with a 26.1% target share, which was number seven in the NFL. So he he's shown he, he has shown that he can perform as an alpha, and we just simply haven't seen it from Jerry Judy yet. We just haven't seen it from Jerry Judy. He was off to a pretty decent start in 2021, you know, with uh, you know, that first game, but he had the high ankle sprain, and you know, as we know, high ankle sprains, you know, in the middle of the season can really can really sap your explosiveness, can really really hurts your hurts your production um you know jerry judy had less than 500 yards receiving and no touchdowns and you know he only has you know one career game or maybe two career games over 20 fantasy points um in his entire in his entire career and you know we haven't again we just we just haven't seen it from him um but you know the one thing that we can we can kind of take as a positive from jerry judy from last year was he was number one in target separation um at 2.5 2.45 yards and he was number four in target separation versus man coverage. So, um, you know, given the fact that Russell, you know, Russell Wilson's in town, he's a much better quarterback. He can get him the ball once, once he gets, once he breaks, you know, once he breaks open. But again, we just, we just need to see it first before we really get behind them. And as of right now, I, I, I like, I like Corlin Sutton a little bit more than Jerry Judy. So let's just get into some of the, um, let's just get some of the, get into some of the key players um, that we have for the Broncos, and let's 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 go ahead and get started with Russell Wilson. Just continue on, continue that conversation. He's currently going at the Q, going as a QB nine, and that's number eighty one overall. So that's around what the the eighth round, I think, the middle of the eighth round. Yeah, yeah, just about around that late seventh, early eighth round. Yeah, so I think um, I think that's kind of appropriate for him, just given how, just given how, you know, given his weaponry and given how much he has around him. I think that's, I, I think that's a pretty solid, uh, solid spot for him. You know, QB sixteen, that's that's what he was in twenty twenty one, and that was his lowest finish in his career. He only played fourteen games, but in those fourteen games, he was thirteenth in fantasy points per game at seventeen point eight. Um, you know, he he still, you know, obviously he had his lowest passing yards and his lowest attempts. You know, they only had around 28, per, 28 attempts uh, per game a, as a team, and that was dead last in the NFL. Despite playing, you know, they, I mean, even they even played, they played, they played fast. They played relatively fast too. Their pace of play was seventh in the NFL, which was kind of odd. If you know, you, you you have you play at a fast pace, but you you have the lowest volume passing game. And, you know, that something doesn't add up there. <laughs> the, the, the math, the maths ain't mathin', right? The maths ain't mathin'. But he was still efficient in some areas uh, last year. His production premium was number four in the league. He was number seven in fantasy points per drop back, and he still had twenty five passing touchdowns um, for what that for whatever that's worth. And that was just you know that went for eleventh um, in the NFL. So um, and, and conversely, you know the you know, Denver Broncos uh, they were twenty seventh um, in pace per play last year. You know uh, you know pay, pace of play last year, and so I think. You know, I think uh, with Russell Wilson in town and Nathaniel Hackett, I know he played a little bit slow um, in Green Bay. You know, they were actually Green Bay was thirty second in in pace in pace of play, but they they were thirteenth 
in pass attempts per game. So they'll probably ramp up the passing volume. And, you know, given the fact that they didn't really have that many outside weapons aside from Devontae Adams, I think they'll I think they'll run I think they'll run more plays and they'll, they'll play they'll play a little bit faster because they have uh, more weapons around uh, more weapons around Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's last full season, he averaged around 35 pass attempts. So I think that's kind of where I see him. I foresee him, you know, you know, ending the season at. I think that's probably um, one of the best, uh, you know, one of the, this is obviously one of the best situations um, that he could be in. Do you have anything to add to that? Any thoughts? No, I mean, I know we're all hoping that they that they throw the ball because because of all the all the potential fantasy type weapons that they that they have in their disposal. We want to see we want to see them use. We want to see Russ cook. So uh, I know we're definitely definitely Let excited. Let that man cook. Yeah, we're definitely excited to see what what they can do uh, in this new environment. So I, yeah, I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, and then also like he he brings a lot of efficiency. As it pertains to the deep ball to, and to this to this this passing attack, you know, deep ball accuracy, he was number eleven in the NFL. Deep ball catchable pass rate, he was number six in the NFL. And his his completion percentage on deep balls was eleven percent higher than Teddy Bridgewater's in twenty twenty one. And in the latter two in the latter two metrics, you know, Teddy B was twenty eighth and twenty first. So a, a clear upgrade when it comes to the deep ball and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and and you know to a, to to another extent uh, KJ Hamler will benefit um, pretty you know pretty greatly um, with you know with a with a, a more accurate deep ball thrower and these and these metrics were courtesy of PlayerProfiler.com you know check them check those guys out they have a lot of a lot of solid metrics and helps quantify like what we're seeing you know from these players on a on a week to week basis so yeah it's a, it's a definitely a lot of things that you can learn. They have glossaries and, and things like things of that nature. So it's really good. And then also Russell Wilson was number one in air yards per attempt and number five in deep ball attempt. So again, that you know, that just tells the story that this is just a match made in heaven for for all these uh, for all these Broncos receivers. And on to the running back room. And you know, it, it obviously starts with Javante Williams. He's currently being drafted as RB eleven around pick twenty three in the second round. There was a point in time earlier this offseason prior to Melvin Gordon resigning that he was creeping into the first round. Like he was definitely up there in the first round in in, in most in, the, in startups and in, in redraft leagues, best ball leagues, you know, you you name it. He was up there. Um, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of course corrected a little bit. I think that's probably an appropriate um, you know, place to 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 pick uh, Javante Williams. Javante Williams had a solid year last year. He finished, I think, as the RB sixteen, despite splitting carries, basically down the splitting, splitting carries, splitting touches, splitting playing time, right down the middle with Melvin Gordon. He finished third in rookie running back attempts and yards. He was eighth in juke rate, sixth in evaded tackles, sixth in yards created after evading the first tackler, and seventh in yards created per touch. And you know, just this is just a trend of 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 things that continued from his college days because. You know, his last year at, at North Carolina, he led the he led the nation in broken tackles and evaded tackles. So he was this is this is what he does. He he produces, you know, regardless of where he's at and he's gonna continue to produce. I think things will, will potentially change this time around because last year Melvin Gordon was a starter and then Javante Williams came in and um, I think this I think it'll kind of flip a little bit this time, um, with Javante Williams starting out and he may play more third downs. You know, um, you know, with with a hopefully a, a faster paced, faster paced offense. You know, we we would we would hope, right? 
Um, so we'll, we'll see. I think I think Devontae Williams can has an has an opportunity to finish and return that um, you know return that value. Um, you know, maybe a high end RB two, low end RB one. It is possible for him. It is possible for him. And then obviously Melvin Gordon, he's going at the RB thirty nine, uh, pick one hundred eight in the ninth round. Surprisingly, he was he was pretty productive last year. Stayed relatively healthy. There was just one game that he missed. And it was that one game where Javante Williams was the number one overall running back in fantasy. (laughs) Go figure. Right. That Sunday night against Kansas City. But, yeah, you know, he had a 52% snap share and he was 11th in rushing yards. So, again, he he stayed relatively healthy. And I think now, you know, he took a little bit longer to re-sign. And I think they – I think he understands that, you know, Javante Williams is a stud and he may just – he may be he may be his backup this year as opposed to being the starter, even though he's the veteran running back. So, um, but I think this is a good backfield to have. Melvin Gordon's a good can a good handcuff to have if you need if you need to do that. If you're if you're not sure about Javante Williams, um, you know Melvin Gordon in the ninth round is is a is a nice is is a nice you know handcuff and some nice insurance. So, any thoughts on those on on that backfield? No, I think you pretty much hit everything. Hopefully, uh, I know the the offensive staff. I know Daniel Hackett just came out and said that he wants to use Javante a little bit more. But, I mean, we also saw Nathaniel Hackett last year pretty much split Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon's carries and touches down the middle of the second half of the season last year. So, um, I mean, I would I would be happy seeing Javante get, get up to like 250-ish in terms of rush attempts and, you know, still be around the 43, the 50-ish receptions and he'll be, yeah. why, he'll be a running back one. So no, that's easy. Yeah. That's all, that's all we're, we're hoping for that he can get a little more opportunity. So, you know, get that 246 touches up to, up to almost 300. And we're looking at somebody who's going to be uh, in RB1 territory. So, yeah, absolutely. And then just onto the receiver room. Um, we touched on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is currently being drafted as the wide receiver 18, and Cortland Sutton is being drafted as a wide receiver 24. Now, I don't understand that um, based on everything that we've kind of outlined and based on everything that we've seen so far. I, I just I, I just can't get behind that. Um, I'm taking Cortland Sutton every time. He's going to be a value. He's the cheaper receiver because whenever you whenever you have two wide receivers like this and you know kind of being drafted around the same range, you know about around apart. You know, Jerry Judy's about pick 49. Carlos Sun's about pick 59. So that's about a round apart. I, I just, I don't, I, I cannot get behind, you know, taking Jerry Judy at the wide receiver 18. It's just too rich for my blood uh, based on, you know, what we've seen so far. You know, last year, Cortland Sutton, he had a bad year as well. I mean, all those Broncos receivers weren't good because the quarterback play wasn't good. But Sutton still led the team in, in yards at 776 and targets at 98. He was eighth in air yards around 1,500, over 1,500. But the, the kicker here was he had 892 unrealized air yards, and that was number five in the NFL. So that just shows that there was a lot to be desired. There was a lot left on the field um, from from those um, you know from those uh, quarterbacks. And the target accuracy with you know Teddy B and Drew Locke wasn't ranked number 54 in the NFL um, when targeting Colton Sutton. So it's just. It was just a bad, bad year overall. But again, you know, help, help, you know, help is on the way with Russell Wilson, and, and this should 
we should see a lot of uh, a lot of regression back to the mean, and, and we should have see some uh, a bounce back. We should see a bounce back from both of these guys, but I think Cortland Sutton is still the play here. I think he's still the you know the uh, the, the receiver to to have um, in this passing game. Yeah, um, I mean, seeing them, they're both going in the fifth round. It's just that Jerry Judy's going at the beginning and Cortland's going at the end. Um, I just, like you said, I just think. I think this is and it needs to be reversed in my opinion, but and, and it's, early. Kind of, it's kind of the same, you know, the, the, I think this is kind of where they were both going last year. If I'm not mistaken, I know, Cor- I know that I saw a lot of Cortland Sutton in around the fifth or sixth round range. I believe, I think this is mm-hmm. kind of where they were going. Um, yeah. Well, maybe Jerry Judy was maybe going a little bit later because he is his second year, but I don't know, but I know for sure Cor- Cortland Sutton was kind of going in the fifth round last year, fifth, you know, l- or late fifth early sixth um, last year. So this is, you know, I, I would take this all day. I would definitely take this all day. If he's in there, I'm, I'm pushing the button. I'm definitely pushing the button. Um, and then we have Tim Patrick. He's going at wide receiver 64. And, you know, that's pick 152. That's basically at the end of your drafts. So, you know, that's a good guy that you can put in, you know, for, you know, for, you know, for, for a bye week fill-in or bench depth. And the funny thing is about his stats is in the last couple of years, he's basically had identical stats in twenty, you know, from twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. You know, around fifty catches, seven hundred and thirty yards, five to six touchdowns, uh, finishing forty third and fiftieth in fantasy points per game. So we're not prioritizing him at all. He's going to be free in drafts. You can just pick him up off the waiver wire. And then KJ Hamler, he should be another guy that's free in drafts. But you know, he's going to be the field stretcher. Um, and he's going to be a field stretcher in that offense. And Russell, and we've we've outlined how accurate Russell Wilson is at throwing deep with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf throughout his career. So this should be, you know, this should be a, a pretty a pretty good uh, situation uh, for KJ Hamler. And then finally, the tight ends. We could just we have Albert O. Tight end sixteen being currently being drafted as tight end sixteen. This pick one twenty five. The end of your drafts. You got your defense. You got your kicker in tow. You know, you could definitely take a shot on him. And, you know, he only had 40 targets in 2021, but he was at 1.94 yards per route run, and that was eighth. And that's pretty, that's elite for a tight end. That's elite for a tight end. So if if he gets a little bit more targets, look, just just look out. He's a he's a solid seam, you know, seam stretcher. I think he has like a 90-plus percentile speed score, according to playerprofiler.com. Just a freak of nature. And, you know, hopefully Russell Wilson can use him you know, to stretch, you know, to stretch those seams and get down the middle of the field and take some pressure off of the guys on the outside. So this will be, um, you know, this will be a, a very solid uh, passing attack uh, for the Broncos. Yeah, man. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the Las the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I know their offseason was uh, very eventful. They uh, they jumped it off with the the two first round draft picks for Devonte Adams. Uh, they resigned Derek Carr to a to a uh, was a four year extension. It was pretty team friendly. Uh, they signed funny a couple money. of yeah, funny, very funny money. Uh, signed a couple of you know special team running backs. Signed a couple of wide receivers that won't really be much of anything with Keelan Cole and Demarcus Robinson. Um, they lost Zay Jones to Jacksonville. You know Jacksonville was throwing all that money around. So, uh, but overall, we should see. This offense still run pretty pretty efficient. They weren't they were a pretty decent offense, average offense. Let me say decent, average offense. Uh, they were nineteenth offensive grade according to PFF. Uh, you know, 
we're expecting big things from this offense just because of the addition of Devonta Adams, uh, Darren Waller being healthy. We saw the emergence of uh, Hunter Winfrey last year whenever Waller was down. But that leads me to my first big question with this uh, with this team is, you know, with the Derek Carr and Adams connection for when they played at Fresno State, how do you think, like, in terms of them fitting together in this offense with, you know, the new regime of, of Josh McDaniels coming in, uh, what do you think? How do you think this is going to go? And and more and in, in being a little more granular in that is that also, well, let me not say granular, but the second part of that question is that, you know, with the addition of Adams, who do you think gets downgraded more, Waller or Winfrey? So answer those two questions for me. Yeah, I think it's I think the answer like, for, well, first, I think Devontae Adams, he'll. He'll fit. He'll fit. He'll fit pretty well in, in the offense, but he's not going to get 169 targets, right? He had 169 targets in Green Bay because he was basically the only pass catcher worth a damn. You know, he could sprinkle in Allen Lazard. He could sprinkle in uh, occasional Marquez Valdez Scantling for deep shots, but outside of that, he was the guy. Like that's that's the guy that he was. I think he was averaging like a, a close to a 30 percent target share each of the last like several years. Um, in Green Bay, he's not going to see that in, in Las Vegas uh, with with Hunter Renfro and, and Darren Waller. Um, but but in terms of who who downgrades more, I think it's Hunter Renfro because you know a healthy Darren Waller really hurts Hunter Renfro. Um, you know Hunter Renfro in forty games with Darren Waller, he's only had you know around forty seven yards receiving and only averaged about six targets a game, and that's just you know around eleven point six or about around eleven yards, uh, eleven PPR points per game. Um, as opposed to you know Renfro without Waller with with you know Waller without you know not being in the lineup and that was only six games, you know he averaged seven catches, seventy one yards on eight targets and around seventeen points per game. Um, so I, I I think I think with you know with with Renfro and, and Waller healthy, um, yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna downgrade Renfro. Um, but in terms of you know in terms of vacated targets, we had one hundred and seventy five vacated targets from. Um, from Zay Jones, who they lost, Brian Edwards, who they traded, and Henry Ruggs, um, who had that, um, you know, that that accident um, earlier in the season or later in the season. And so um, I, I think, I think ultimately this passing game will be condensed down to just those three guys. But there's they're they're going to eat off of each other. They're going to cannibalize each other. Um, um, you know, this. It, Devonte Adams, the, the Devonte Adams transaction, the Devonte Adams you know acquisition actually helps Derek Carr, you know, from a fantasy standpoint because it gives him an extra weapon and an extra elite guy to throw the ball to. But you know, in any given week, you're not sure who it's going to be. Um, but I feel like Devonte Adams and Darren Waller are, are the are the guys that are that that stand to really to really be productive. Whereas you know Hunter Renfro enjoyed a pretty solid year over you know over 100 catches over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns, um, that's that's not going to happen again, uh, especially with Devontae Adams and, and Darren Waller healthy for a full season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and with all those points, um, I think Renfro is going to be the odd man out. Um, it just I mean, it's kind of unfortunate because I know a lot of people you know watching him and seeing somebody just kind of grind his way through the NFL so far and just seeing him, you know, show up, show up when they needed him most last year to, for that playoff push. Uh, it was good to see, but I can't, you can't imagine seeing, seeing him get 103 receptions 
with Darren Waller and Devontae on the same roster. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that leads us into talking about some of the, you know, the most relevant fantasy players on this team. First off, we can talk with Derek Carr, QB 15, which is about 114 overall. That's pretty much in the middle of the 10th round. This is kind of a, you know, if you're wait, if you're one of those people in, in redraft leagues that likes to wait to the later rounds to get a QB, this is definitely a prime spot where you can get somebody that's, you know, that middles around that QB one range, uh, like Derek Carr or, you know, your Kirk Cousins of, of sorts. So um, this is a great spot for him, I think, in his ADP and where he's going. This past season, we saw him have 626 pass attempts, which was 100 more than his previous season last year. Uh, it could be an anomaly. We'll, we'll see. I don't know how Josh McDaniels wants to run his offense, uh, but six six twenty six is pretty elite. I know we saw. I think we saw like six or seven quarterbacks go over six hundred. So, um, yeah. But uh, he, I mean, overall, I mean, that's just for our offense and having pieces of the offense. You want to see this type of opportunity. I mean, six hundred twenty six is not a light number. So, it's yeah. a, enough enough for people to eat for sure. Uh, we also saw him. Coincidentally, he had the most passing yards of his career with a little over 4,800 passing yards. Uh, he's usually finished around the QB2 range, like I said earlier, uh, the QB15. 16, 17, 18 is where he's always kind of finishing throughout his whole fantasy career. Uh, so, like I said before, a pretty solid QB, late-round QB if you, if you want to wait for that. Uh, we did see Derek Carr support two top 15 pass catchers in 2016 with with uh, Amari Cooper and, and Crabtree um, and that tight end. I think he was it. What is it? Clyde Watford or whatever that guy's name was yeah, that Walford. season. He was tight end 39, but uh, just goes to, you know, just to kind of back up our point at the beginning with seeing who's going to be the one that's going to be downgraded between out of Waller and Winfro. We've seen Derek Carr once in his whole career support to, you know, top end pass catchers. I mean, you have, I mean, we are you going to assume that Devontae is going to be one of those? So who's going to be the other one, essentially? Because there's no – I mean, we, we don't have enough evidence to see us see, – to see this as him supporting three, you know, three pass catchers that could be all in the top, what, you know, two wide receivers that could be top 24 wide, with, your wide, with your tight end being what, top elite five. top five, top six. Yeah. So yeah. just by – you know, just by – just running the, the pr- probability that somebody has to suffer and it's just going to be him, I think. So, yeah. do you want to add anything to, to, you know, Derek Carr's prospects or whatnot? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, we, we, you know, Derek Carr always kind of, fin- I think the, the highest that he's finished was that 2016 year where he had Crabtree at wide receiver 12 and, 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 and uh, Amari Cooper at wide receiver 15. I think he finished himself as QB 12 overall. So, that's the best that he's done. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know where he's gonna finish, but I think, you know, to your point, he is a pretty good late round quarterback um option, given the fact that, you know, anytime you inject Devontae Adams into your freaking offense, you're you're going to upgrade. You're you're just going to upgrade, right? You just have to. Yeah. So um, you know, he's you know, it's possible any one of these, you know, wide receivers aren't gonna live up to, you know to eighty to their to their ADP. You know, currently Devontae Adams is going at wide receiver three overall, and that's like ninth overall. And I, I 
that's too rich for me. That's the ADP is way too high. I don't think he's just going to return that kind of value. It's almost yeah. like he's going to be, it's basically you're drafting him as if he's still in green Bay. And that's just a mistake. That's just a mistake. Yeah. That is, that's the ceiling. And that's, that's basically bait. You know, you're, you're, you're trying, you're basically falsely baking in the fact that he's, he might get 160 plus targets again. And I just don't see that happening. With yeah, those two, yeah. especially with those two on the fall. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, now to the uh, running back room. We got Josh Jacobs, RB twenty one currently, which is going forty fourth overall, which is the pretty much the back end of the fourth round. We saw him last year finish his RB thirteen with the lowest. He had his lowest rush attempts with two seventeen, the lowest yards at eight uh, eight seventy two, but he did almost double. Double in terms of uh, receptions, which was the highest of his career at 54 receptions, which was fifth in the league at running backs. And then uh, he had career high in in receiving yards at 348. So uh, we did see him get less carries. He was kind of in and out of the lineup. He did play 15 games, but it was always something with him. And then they kept spelling him with, you know, with Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake. and, and Jalen Richard and. You know, just a whole bunch of randomness. It was it was weird how they used them, but I mean, we were finally happy to see them use them in the passing game. So uh, he was ninth in, in yards created, seventh in evaded tackles. I mean, this is something that that he's always been good at in terms of you know making the first man miss when he's running. So um, it's unfortunate that they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So uh, we don't know how how they want to use him. How are they going to use him? Because they they drafted Zamir White. They have they still have Kenyon Drake on a you know on a, on a one year left on his deal, which was a pretty big contract for for a backup running back. So it should be interesting to see how they're going to use him. I, I think at RB twenty one, for me it, it it might feel a little rich because of the uncertainty of how they're going to use him. Uh, but we know coming from the Josh Jake uh, McDaniel's and Bill Belichick, you know that how they they like rotating running backs like, and you don't know who's going to be used or when they're going to be used. So, I, I mean, he's, he's going around the range of J.K. Dobbins, ETN, Brees Hall, uh, Elijah Mitchell. So, I mean, some of those running backs I'll take over him just because of the uncertainty of how how they're going to use them, honestly. So, uh, yeah, you have any yeah. thoughts? Yeah, and I think, um, I think to your point about the fifth-year option thing, I feel like they're just going to run him to the ground. They're going to they're, they're going to – he, th- this offense is going to be better. They're going to be put into more scoring positions, and I think there's a potential for him to have, um, you know, more more touchdowns um, than he's had in his career. You know, from short yardage and things of that nature. So I, I think, um, you know, I, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's potentially teed up to smash, and maybe maybe RB twenty one could be a, v- a bit of a value, could be a bit, yeah. a bit of a value. But you know, we have to watch his, you know, his injury concerns, and you know, Zamir White is a very solid running back they drafted. Um, you know, late later on, later on, I think they, what they draft him with round four, round three, mm-hmm. or round four. Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's, he, you know, to your point, he he's he's going around the range of, you know, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, and Elijah Mitchell. Um, I don't know. I I think, I think his offense is is bet is the best out of those four guys. Out of those four guys, I think his offense is is the is the best, and it's more you know teed up to be. In more uh, scoring situations, a more high leverage scoring situation. So, um, you know, I, I, I thought more and more about this. I think, you know, I think I think Josh Jacobs is in a pretty decent spot. So, 
um, fifth year option last year, contract year, run them into the ground and then discard them. And I think this yep. is probably that time that we can we can you know take a chance on Josh Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can see I can see that point. Um, to the wide receiver room, really quick, we've already kind of touched on Devonta Adams uh, going to wide receiver three nine overall. We we consensus is that we think is a little little high. I would feel more I, I I would feel a little more comfortable drafting somewhere in the middle of the second, personally, middle back of the second. Because yeah. I mean, right now we just, just don't know. Um, we got Hunter Winfro, wide receiver forty, going at ninety-one. So that's pretty much the middle of the eighth round. I, I think that's a pretty good value. And then yeah. uh, um, also we got Darren Waller, tight end five. He's going at thirty-four. So pretty much the end of the third round. I know for me and how I redraft, I don't like taking tight ends this early because I want to save that for for my running backs or elite wide receiver is still there. Uh, but this is a good spot to get Darren Waller. He's going to be he he should be elite again. I mean, last year he finished tight end six and he was hurt, hurt slash injured half the season. So yeah. uh, we know tight end is a little top heavy. So once you miss out of like the top five, six tight ends, you just you're just kind of like you just kind of piecing together. You can just wait till later and, you know, figure it out. So uh, and this is him finishing tight end six and he finished with the lowest yards receptions touchdowns air yard shares with the raiders pretty much since he's been been with the with the raiders this is his lowest output ever so uh he should definitely definitely benefit with Devonte adams taking more of the you know the load off of him and being focused on so um, i think this offense is going to be condensed with these three there's three individuals in terms of the passing game so this would be an offense that you could you could potentially uh target and these would be the three players that i would focus on getting so that is the Raiders. Yeah. So with regards to Darren Waller, I mean, there was a there was a couple of metrics that kind of that kind of support the fact that he was that he had some bad luck, um, as opposed to you know, uh, or in addition to him being injured, you know, he he was number three amongst tight ends and deep targets, um, but he also was number six in unrealized air yards uh, with with four hundred and two. So there was opportunities left out on the field while he was on the field. So. Um, I, I think you know there's there's definite room for improvement, definite room for a bounce back uh, for Darren Waller, and you know with Devontae Adams in the fold, he'll have a lot more single coverage. He won't be he won't be bracketed, you know, by linebackers and safeties um, in the middle of the field. So I, I think this is a, a you know Darren Waller should be a pretty good value at, at pick thirty four um, late in you know um, you know late in the third round. So yeah, no, I completely agree. All right, so the next team, yeah, so the next team we want to go ahead and discuss is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they've, you know, they've they've made some moves uh, this offseason. A lot of them were on defense, um, and it's not it's not necessarily directly, you know, fantasy relevant. Although it could be because it could affect um, the offensive the offense's game uh, game script. Um, because you know, as as we know, last year's you know Chargers team they were the worst run defense in the league. And they were getting gassed, you know, left and right, and they were forced to, you know, pass the ball at a, you know, a high clip, play fast. Um, just, you know, Justin uh, Herbert had to, you know, to, to dial up a lot of the pass attempts. Um, but you know, they did, they did resign Mike Williams. You know, one of the uh, one of the one of Justin Herbert's beneficiaries had a, just coming off of a career year. They signed Gerald Everett, tight end, came and coming over from the Seahawks to a two year deal. He should he should you know factor in. 
you know, pretty, um, you know, he should be he should factor in pretty well to that offense. And they also drafted Zion Johnson, a guard, in round one, so to to help that offensive line. And so, you know, some of the biggest questions we have for the Chargers is, you know, th- you know, the bottom line is, you know, can this offense keep up their their frenetic pace and 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 play fast and stay efficient? Uh, I think they can they can stay efficient. They got a lot of uh, reliable weapons on the offense. Offense, you know, Justin Herbert keeps progressing every year. So we just expected him to, you know, keep it up in terms of being very efficient. The pace, the pace should probably still be about the same, but we might not see them, you know, be as aggressive as they were in the past because of the additions they made on defense. Hopefully they don't be one of those teams where, you know, they're giving up 10, 12 point leads in, in the middle of the game and being forced to to throw the ball out because their defense, their defense can't stop you know, air from blowing. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> last year we saw them have 672 pass attempts, which was second in the league to to uh, the the Buccaneers. I think they finished with over 700 passing yeah. attempts, uh, which was, you know, 40th pass attempts per game. And in 2020, we even saw them finish right under 600 pass attempts. And um, this is all going towards, you know, their defense just not being able to stop anybody. So, I think they'll be able to, you know, stop some people and they might not ask Herbert to throw as much as he he's had to the first two years in the league. So Yeah, and just being top three in pace, you know, I I I don't I'm not sure how much how long that could be sustained. Um, but you know, you know, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one pretty identical, forty forty pass attempts per game. Um, but that those were also on the backs of pretty crappy defenses. So uh, in this in this year they they have a, a, a basically a star-studded cast back there with you know the addition of J.C. Jackson, trading for Khalil Mack to pair with Joey Bosa, um, you know so they 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 have they and they and they even draft they even sign some some run stuffing defensive linemen, and so yeah to to help to help their uh, you know to help their you know their their uh, you know the rush defense, so I, I think you know there's a lot of positives. Uh, for the Chargers, but in terms of just you know dialing up all the you know the, the pass attempts. Now, granted, you know as I mentioned earlier, they are crossing with the AFC West or the NFC West. So the AFC West and the NFC West are crossing together, and they're going to be playing in a lot of shootouts. So I think you still may see some shootouts, anyways, even with their improved defense, because they're just playing better teams because that division is good as well. And so um, you know we'll see, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there, but. You know, the next question I want to get to, though, is, you know, uh, we, we saw Austin Eckler have a career year with 20 touchdowns, nearly 300, t- 300 total touches, you know, 200 plus carries, 70 catches, just shy of 1,600 yards. Um, can any of these backup running backs take something away from Austin Eckler uh, to keep him fresh? And because we have, you know, we have Isaiah Spiller, who they drafted in the fourth round, um, you know, Joshua Kelly's, you know, is a holdover from last year. We haven't seen him be good, but. You know, do they? They don't want. They don't want Austin Eckler to. I don't think they want Austin Eckler to to keep taking, um, you know, unnecessary hits. You know, he only had he had sixty seven percent of the snaps and sixty seven percent opportunity share, and that was ninth and tenth in the NFL respectively. So, um, do you see any of these? Do you see any scenario where they may dial back some of his some of his carries and maybe just keep him out there on third downs and give it give him more uh, receptions? Um, I mean, he's. He's the the coach and the staff has already came out and said that they want to get him le- a little less touches 
I believe that because, I mean, this is the healthiest he's been in his career. And somehow somehow he stayed healthy with the most touches he's had in his career also. So I I believe him when they say they want to dial him back. I believe Isaiah Spiller, uh, running back that they drafted from AM, has a great opportunity to be the number two right away just because of, you know, we saw Joshua Kelly and, and Roundtree and they they averaged barely over three yards of carry. Uh, Justin Jackson. Yeah, Justin Jackson was really good. He averaged about yeah. about five, but Justin Jackson, he's a he's a free agent. He's not on the team anymore. So yeah. Um, I think I think Isaiah Spiller has a great, great opportunity to to be that guy to, to spell Eckler because I mean, Joshua Kelly and Roundtree, they're bigger than Eckler, but we saw Eckler get all the all the uh the red zone touches. So yeah, I, and I I, think- that's who I believe is gonna be the guy is, is Spiller. Yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. And just a quick note about those red zone touches. That was one of the bigger questions that we had about Austin Eckler going into the 2021 season. A lot of people yeah. were saying, oh, Joshua Kelly is going to take all the goal line touches and things of that nature. In 2020, you know, Austin Eckler only played 10 games. But up until that point, he was only 36th in the NFL in red zone touches. So he wasn't getting those touches. And then in 2021, that completely changed, it completely flipped. So um, you know, hopefully that can, maybe maybe that continues. Maybe they just continue to put him in those higher leverage situations and maybe take away some carries between the twenties because those are you know the, those are less valuable overall overall less valuable. You know, let's say he takes a carry, you know, second and second and eight from the forty seven yard line. You know, there's I mean, what's what's the point of what's the point of that, right? Yeah. Um, so we 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 want to see you know Austin Eckler just more you know you know more. Um, you know more of those. You know, and the thing is, he led the. He already led. The, you know, all, all running backs and targets and reception yards <laughs> last year. Anyway, yeah. so a yeah. third already third in the running back target share, second in routes run, eighth in yards per touch. I mean, he's already already efficient at what he does. Just keep him out there doing that, um, and less and less carries, um, and he'll still produce like a top five running back. Yep. Um, but let's get into let's get into some of these key players, uh, key fantasy players. Let's start with Justin Herbert. He's currently going off the board as a quarterback three, 44th overall. So that's around the third round, third, third, fourth round range. Um, what do you, where, where do you, where do you feel like is a good spot for Justin Herbert? Is this, is this a good spot for him? I know it's, I know based on your philosophy about drafting quarterbacks early, um, you're not really with it. You let, you'd rather wait on the guy and you use that pick on, you know, maybe a, a premium running back or a, a pretty good wide receiver uh, that's going at a discount. But, um, where do you, where do you see, Justin Herbert going off the, you know, where do you feel like Justin Herbert is best going off the board? Um, I think, I mean, I mean, this is the middle of the fourth round. I mean, I get it. You want, you want, you want a piece of that. You want the guy that's, that's leveraging that offense. I get it that you want Justin Herbert again for me. I, I'd rather, I'd rather wait. I'd rather spend it on a, a high end run, running back. Cause you, you running back is one of those is a scarcity position. Like, if you can get two or three fairly highly level, maybe one or two within the first four rounds, of elite running backs, I'd rather have that than than Justin Herbert. If you look at like in terms of numbers wise, like the difference between QB three to like you getting a QB eight or nine isn't that big of a difference compared to you getting RB eight to RB twenty. So yeah, I rather I just rather I rather spend it on a running back or a wide receiver than than Justin Herbert. But again, I get it. I mean, he 
he led he almost I mean he pretty much was top three in touchdowns and, and yards thrown. So Yeah. And you know, he's he he excelled a lot at the you know the uh with the deep ball, number five and deep ball completion percentage, number eight deep ball catchable target rate target uh catchable target percentage and n- number nine in deep ball attempts and his expected points added was number four. And he was number two in the NFL in fantasy points per game at 23.3 behind Josh Allen. So um, I, I don't know how much of that repeats, but we know that he's going to be pretty fucking good uh, throwing to Keenan Allen and throwing to um, throwing to uh, Mike Williams, you know, pretty, pretty frequently. And another thing about Justin Herbert in that Chargers passing game is that they, they sure passed the ball a lot in the red zone. They were number five in red yep. zone attempts. They're number five in red zone attempts, and you know Keenan Allen finished number five in red zone targets, and Je- and Mike Williams finished number eight in red zone targets. So he Justin Herbert was able to support two wide receivers in the top ten in red zone targets. So you know you want a piece of this offense, you want good players, and especially in this division, like it, they're just loaded with good players. You want Russell Wilson, you want Corlin Sutton, you want Devontae Adams. Well, you actually don't really want Devontae Adams at its cost. But, you know, you want Josh Jacobs, you want Darren Waller, you want Austin Eckler, you want Kenny Allen, you want Mike Williams, you want all these guys. But, you know, as you, as you mentioned, you know, some of, these, some of these ADPs you may not want more than others. Um, but, you know, th- this, is, this is an offense that you definitely want pieces of, um, especially with Austin Eckler coming off of a 20-touchdown season. You know, tw- second in fantasy points per game at 21-and-a-half, just, you know, behind Donovan Taylor. Um, you know, he had 940 yards created. That was third in the NFL, 3.41 yards per touch. That was number eighth in the NFL. And, you know, his production premium was pl- a plus 17, which is number two in the NFL. So he was just efficient everywhere he was on the field, no matter what, compared to, you know, the, the average the average player in the same situation. So, you know, Austin Eckler is pretty awesome. He's currently going off the board at RB4, which is number seven overall. I think that's pretty appropriate for him bonafide locked in first round pick. I don't I don't see any issues with that. Um especially, you know, if if he's if he's getting 67% of the snaps and 67% opportunity share, if they scale that back just a little bit to I mean he's like 60 and 60, he'll still be efficient, right? He'll yeah. still be efficient like regardless. That's that's what he's that's what he's done um throughout his career. Even in 2019, he finished as a top 5 running back. And you know, even Melvin Gordon, he 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 missed four games that uh, that year. And he, he started out hot. We saw just we saw glimpses of what what it would be like with Austin Eckler having the backfield to himself, and we saw it manifest in twenty twenty one again. So um, I think you know I think Austin Eckler is a smash in the first round. One of the safer one of the safer uh, running back picks. Um, and then on to the wide receiver room. We just touched on these guys, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They're basically going at wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 13, just a couple of picks apart, pick 28, pick 31, respectively. So that's the end of the, you know, with the, the beginning of the third round, beginning of the third round um, for both of those guys. I think that's pretty appropriate. Keenan Allen is just as automatic as it gets. Another 100, another 100 catch, 1,000 yards, six touchdown season in 2021. His last two seasons with Justin Herbert averaging around 10, 10 targets a game. 157 and 147, respectively. Um, and he operates primarily from the slot, which is what you like to see. Number five in slot snaps, number two in routes run. And as we mentioned, he's number four, number five in red zone targets. Um, but in terms of just 
just winning his routes. Um, and this is more data courtesy of playerprofiler.com. To you know, total route wins is he was at 270 last year, and that, that was number one in the NFL. Um, routes versus man, number four in the NFL. Um, and his win rate versus man was number 10 in the NFL. So he he'll he'll beat his defender regardless of who's on him because he's a, he's the superb route runner. I've been a record of saying this. I think he's the best route runner in the NFL. Just how he sets up defenders, his quickness off the line of scrimmage, and just how you know, just how he's able to just get open with ease. And you know, whenever he, whenever he's thrown a pass, you know, by, to Justin Herbert, he has so much separation uh, from the defender. And then you just look at the replay and just how just how nasty he just breaks down the breaks down the uh, <laughs> breaks down the defender. So it's 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 you know, basically poetry in motion watching him run routes. Um, and then Mike Williams, on the other hand, the different a different type receive different type of receiver. He's you know the deep ball guy, the deep threat. He's coming off of his career best year, over seventy catches, over eleven hundred yards, and nine touchdowns. And as we remember, he was off to that historic pace in the first like six weeks of the season, where he was the wide receiver two behind Cooper Cup. I think he was the wide receiver two by like point one or point two points behind Cooper Cup um, prior to him hurting his knee. And then you know, kind of going, kind of going on like a little bit of a, a downturn, um, in, the, in the second half of the season where he had a couple of, uh, you know, he had a lot of duds because I I own Mike Williams in a couple of you know in several leagues and he 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 hurt me a lot. He hurt me a lot, <laughs> but he started to pick it up a couple in a couple of games here and there towards the end of the season. So, um, you know, he he got he started to get some of that magic back. But overall, last year number twelve in deep targets. And number nineteen in air yards with just shy of fourteen hundred. Um, but one thing about Mike Williams is, you know, a lot of people think he's just a big body receiver that just goes down the field and catches it and falls down. He was actually number fourteen in yak, you know, with four hundred six yards. So he's actually he can actually you know catch the ball and, and get down the field with it too. So, um, yeah, but you know, his his calling card is, is is deep is deep balls and 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 contested contested catch situations. Where he was number fourteen in the league at fifty three point three percent, and then as we mentioned, he's a he's a he's a, a target hog in the red zone, number eight in red zone targets because that 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 passing game and Justin Herbert they throw the ball out in the red zone. So uh, I would like to take either one of these guys um, in that range and, and feel pretty good about it. And then um, we have Josh Palmer. He's a he's a he's a he'll be a solid third receiver, but he's going to be free. He's going to be a waiver wire pickup. Uh, same same goals for Gerald Everett. Um, tied in twenty six, pick one eighty three, basically free. But he is coming off of a career um, in, in in all major categories: forty eight catches, four hundred seventy yards, and four touchdowns for Seattle last year. And you know he's he's a more he's more athletic and much younger than Jared Cook, who who, who he's going to replace. Um, he had a seventy six point two uh, catch rate, which was third in the NFL. So. Um, he, he he has pretty reliable hands on once he's once he's called upon and once he's you know targeted, um, he can definitely you know get you some points. Um, should he you know should he be deployed um, in a in a way that 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 can be advantageous to the offense? But yeah, that that concludes the Chargers. Do you have anything else to add? Another offense that you want pieces: um, Eckler, Allen, Williams, Everett. I, Pretty I, much. I, want all, I, want, I want all these in some kind I want of it all. On my team. I want it all. Yeah. <laughs> and to the last team of, of this division, the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe the team that we might have the most questions about uh, as we start diving through here. First off, their PF offensive grade was ninth last year. 
They traded Tyree Kill to the Dolphins for a first and second, signed MVS to a three-year deal, signed Ronald Jones for whatever that's worth, and they drafted Sky Moore in the second round. Um, so my first big question is obvious is, who do we think that emerges as the, the number one wide receiver to replace Tyreek's production? Um, honestly, I think on on paper, on paper, just by default, um, just based on just based on production and based on tenure, I think it, it, it this can, and this can change over the next couple of months. But I think right now you'll have to say Juju Smith-Schuster um, because of how he's going to be deployed. He's going to be deployed closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, and I feel like him and McCall Hardman are kind of redundant in that regard. But if you were if you were to pick out of those two, um, you would probably go with Juju because you've seen him produce as as you know in, at age twenty two a fourteen hundred yard season. That 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 can't go away, right? I mean, that can't just go away overnight. I mean, I you know he, we haven't seen him be good in almost three years. You know, his last full season playing, he had he had over he had nearly a hundred catches. But barely 830 yards uh, receiving and nine touchdowns, and that was that that was good for about an eight, 8.5 you know yards per reception, which is pretty putrid. Um, but to be fair, that was that that most you know most of that came from the noodle armed uh, Big Ben um, <laughs> after his the basically a year the year after he had Tommy John surgery and his arm was pretty much shot. And so um, I, I think you know. Uh, and, and, and just a little bit more about that year, his ADOT was 5.7, in the NFL. His yards per target, 6.5, 97th in the NFL. Target separation at 1.1, 104th in the NFL. Ugh. Um, yeah, I know. Gross. But, you know, his, <laughs> one, of his, uh, one of his calling cards was, was, you know, he's always been pretty good is, is, is Yak. And he was 13th in the NFL in 2020. And then, as I mentioned, you know, we're, you know, McCall Hardman and him and McCall Hardman are kind of redundant in that, in that, uh, in that respect. McCall Hardman was number seven last year at 487 yak yards. So both of those guys will kind of be deployed the same and they'll, they'll probably look, um, you know, if, if there's a, if there's a guy that will emerge, it'll be, it'll probably be, be Juju. Um, but, you know, we'll have Marquez out of Scantling stretching the field. And then we'll have you know Sky Moore. Not sure how he's going to fit in, but he's he's gonna he's gonna de- command targets at some point during the season, especially as soon as he gets up to speed. He'll probably take a couple of weeks early in the season um, to get acclimated to the offense. And you know after that, you know his talent will take over, and he's gonna he's gonna take somebody's spot, take somebody's position. Um, so at least right now, by default on paper, it's Juju. But ultimately, I think. I I I think it'll be a committee. It'll end up being a committee um, at some point in the season. But as of now, in Ju- June second, twenty twenty two, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I I believe on the notion that it this is going to be more of a committee, just because we saw how their offense operated once once they understood that everybody's going to play cover two shell against them. That it was more of a dink and dunk type of offense. So uh, they got a couple of redundant players uh, from from the from who they picked up and with the and then with the MVS pick up the the field stretcher so i think it's just going to be a bunch of guys putting in a putting in work and getting the offense moving so and it was a panic signing by the way 
<laughs> it was it was definitely it was it was definitely a panic signing by them because they just they they realized how how bad they fucked up by trading Tyreek Hill. They're like, oh shit, we need a field stretch. We need somebody fast. Who's the fastest guy in free agency right now? Let's go ahead and grab him. Let's go ahead and grab him. And they just signed Mark They literally signed him. I think the day after they traded Tyreek Hill, if I'm not mistaken, a day or two after they drafted him, or after they traded him. It was a panic signing, just like the McCall Hardman draft pick in 2019 was a panic draft pick because they were they were fearful and scared of what was going to happen if Tyreek Hill got suspended. Yeah, and they decided yep. to get you know a uh, you know, a guy that was you know the, basically one of the fastest guys in the draft wasn't productive in college, but one of the fastest guys in the draft that could potentially look to replace Tyreek Hill. But hey, hey, that's 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 a lot, a couple of a questionable. Roster moves. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, that's whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my second question is: Do we think Mahomes is going to take a step back without Tyreek Hill? Um, I, th- I I think he'll, you know, that that connection was just that just so special. You know, there there's nothing. I don't think any other duo can replicate what they did outside of maybe Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford last year. They were a historical duo, but. In terms of just week winning, you know, spike, you know, spike weeks, those those two, you know, just going bonkers together, especially having them, you know, if you had a if you had them in a keeper league, if you had them in best ball, or whatever, you just you know that stack was just automatic, an automatic cheat code. And I think just by virtue of that, he'll he'll naturally take a step back, but his step back won't be that will won't be that big. I mean, since twenty seventeen, he's played five games without Tyreek Hill and he's averaged around twenty two fantasy points per game. You know, couple a couple more pass attempts per game and fifty more passing yards. You know, one less pass, one less passing touchdown. I mean, I, I think I think he'll be fine without Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. He's still he's still arguably the best quarterback in the league, most talented quarterback in the league. I think he'll find a way to make it work, um, especially because you know, the, for for what it's worth, you know, we we talk about McCall Hardman and he's not really being used downfield, but he's still a four three guy, right? Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's not really. Uh, I mean, he, he's he's a speed guy. He, he's a four three guy. You know, as evidenced by his, he was number one in a dot last year when he played for the Packers at seventeen and a half. Uh, so he's going to be the, he's going to be the de facto field stretcher there. Sixteen point five yards for reception. He was number five in the NFL. So I think, and then with Sky Moore, Sky Moore has speed. So there's a lot to be there's a lot to like about the speed at least that the that the Chiefs have is just that it'll it'll probably take a little bit of time, you know, getting um, you know, get getting the, the the connection down, getting the chemistry down, getting the rapport down, because they have mostly new receivers. Juju's new, Sky Moore's new, Marcos Valdez Scantling is new. You know, the only holdover is McCall Hardman, but he's not really used downfield. He's used, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, as evidence is, you know, he caught 59 passes last year on 83 targets, but 52 of those 59 catches were either behind the line of scrimmage or no, no, no higher than nine yards down the field. So he wasn't used down the field at all. So just in, you know, shorter, shorter than 10 yards uh, for most of his catches, all but seven of his catches. And his A dot was only seven and a half, which is 82nd in the NFL. And so we'll see. Um, I don't think you know. I don't think it's it's going to be a huge step back, but it's it's naturally it's going to be a step back because it's it's Tyreek freaking Hill, right? And you know, just yeah. their connection was one of the best connections we've ever seen in NFL history. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with uh, with your premise. All right, so let's talk. Go ahead and talk about the the key players on uh, on this team for a fantasy perspective. First off, 
Patrick Mahomes going QB2, 26 overall, so basically the beginning of the third. Um, like we've been saying, it's a little early for me, but in terms <laughs> yeah. of where, in terms of him being QB2, I mean, QB1 through 3, I mean, is, a, is basically preference if you want to take Allen first or you want to take Mahomes first or if you want to take Herbert first. I think I think I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three, honestly. So I'm not going to argue that. I'm just going to the ADP in terms of overall 26 is way too rich for me, but I, I get it. This yeah, is the only way you're going to get a piece of him. So, yeah, he's being priced as, as if he's still has Tyreek Kill, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I can't get behind that. Um, you know, he'll 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 be he'll take a step back. He'll probably be he'll, he'll still finish as a top 10 quarterback. But I don't think he's going to finish a QB two overall. I mean, there's other there's there's plenty of other um, players that could potentially finish as quarterback two than, than Patrick Mahomes. He's just not going to return that kind of value uh, for you, despite of despite how talented he is. You know, despite him being you know you know again one of the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen come into this league. But you know, Tyreek Hill is going to be a uh, you know from a fantasy perspective is going to be a, a, a pretty sizable loss, but not necessarily. To the point where he's going to be, you know, fall out of the top twelve and, and go to QB two territory. He'll still find a way to finish inside the top ten, top eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, real quick, you know, Patrick Mahomes finished QB five overall this past season with twenty two fantasy points per game. Uh, he had the second most passing yards in his career with forty eight thirty nine, which was fourth in the league. The most pass attempts at six fifty eight, which was third in the league. Uh, so, but he also did finish with the most turnovers his career with 17 overall and the most interceptions with 13. Uh, this is fair. Uh, a lot of it was during those, those weeks, I think week three, uh, five through 14, where they were really struggling to figure out this cover two. Uh, so you saw him throw, have a lot of games where he had like one touchdown or he didn't have any touchdowns. Uh, yeah. So. And then in the midst of all that, I mean, he did have the lowest yards per attempt of his, of his career at 7.4, uh, where we've been used to pretty much his whole career. He's been been hovering around the mid eight eights in terms of yards per attempt. So I just think that this is just going to be this might be a new norm just because of, you know, the the newness of his wide receiver group. And I, I, I can just only imagine teams still trying to play that cover two show to, you know, keep keep Mahomes at at a bay. So you got anything else to add to that? No, no, that's it. Yeah, we we remember talking about that on our show. Like just are, are the like what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's going on with the yep. Chiefs? Yep. He was turning the ball over left and right and they, they yep. did not look like the same offense whatsoever. So, yeah. Um they eventually figured it out, but man, there was there was some, there was some concern. They were saying I was like, "Oh, who's Who's the best quarterback in the league now? It's not Mahomes anymore. It's 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 this guy. It's this guy. It's this guy. They're putting a lot of the guys around, um, you know, are, are ahead of him. And then he has a Sunday night game against the Raiders where he puts up 400 yards. And, <laughs> and reminds everybody, I'm still here. I'm still that guy. I'm still that. Yep. Dude. So and then he play, and then he plays Dallas and he doesn't throw any touchdowns. He doesn't do anything. And, yeah. And we still somehow somehow lose, but you know, let's get back. Let's get back to what we're talking about. Well, yeah, we'll um, talk about the Cowboys later. <laughs> sure. uh, now to the running back room. So, like I said at the beginning when we started the Chiefs, they got a lot of questions. Here, here, here we go. The running back room: Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire going at RB twenty four, which is sixty one overall. So basically, he is going at the beginning of the sixth round. 
And then you got Ronald Jones going at number uh, RB42, which is 117. And that's basically the middle of the 10th round. Uh, I, man, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, this is, I don't know. I just feel like one of these rooms I don't want to touch. I mean, we just saw, we saw them last year. Clyde was hurt a lot and they mixed in a lot of like Daryl Williams and, and Jarek McKinnon. And even when Clyde Harris, uh, CH got healthy, he still wasn't commanding, uh, the majority of the touches. They were still mixing in a lot of these players. I know uh, a few of the, those guys are gone, and they bring in Ronald Jones. They bring in a, a very late round running back, rookie running back. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to handle this. I just know that RB twenty four is too rich for me personally, uh, especially with this, especially when you don't really have answers of how how they're going to deploy any of these guys. So, yeah, do I mean, we, that's do where we I'm know? At. Do we do we know if if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is actually good? I don't I don't think so, man. I just think I, we saw that first game of his career and then serious question. Serious question. Is he is yeah, he I, actually good? I because I, I don't think I don't think he is. I don't I don't I don't think he's very good. Um, you know, you know, RB twenty four, he's going he's going around the range of guys like, you know, Damian Harris, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Walker, AJ Dillon. I take all those guys over Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I would take too. all I would take all those guys. And and you know, there's a couple of rookies in there, and there's another guy, Travis Etienne, who we haven't seen play, but I'm sure his potential, his spike week potential, uh, usurps that of Clyde Edwards Alaire. Because I mean, look at I mean, uh, just you know, from from this from a from a target share and reception standpoint. Like how are you going to get point? You, how are you going to get points um, from Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Are we going to get there with receptions? Probably not because his target share last year was six point eight percent. His his target share the year before was ten point nine percent. So we can cross that off the list. Um, are we going to get there with you know with with long runs? Probably not. His breakaway run rate was number forty six in the NFL, and his he only had three breakaway runs in twenty twenty one. That was number fifty three in the NFL. Is he going to get there with touchdowns? Probably not. Only six total touchdowns in a four point three, you know, percent touchdown rate. So I, I'm just having a hard time trying to figure out where the points are going to come from. Um, he doesn't even create yards that well. Yards created, he was number forty seven in the NFL. The yards created per touch, he was number thirty in the NFL. Um, his EPA was a negative nineteen. At he was number one hundred and forty one in the NFL. Like. I'm just trying to figure. I'm just trying to figure out where where the points are going to come from and, and how he's going to return RB twenty four value. You're you're basically drafting him as an RB two, and that and that is just that is just insane to me. I know the offense is can't it's it's Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City's offense and they're RB friendly, but are they really RB friendly or are they just R, not RB friendly to him? Because his calling card coming out of LSU was pass catching. He's not being used. He's not being used like that. He's not breaking tackles. He's not breaking long runs. He's, you know, he, he's he's not he's not fast. He, I mean, his he he. According to PlayerProfiler.com, his burst score is in the 90th percentile. But when has he shown that burst? When has he shown I that burst? I ain't seen it. I haven't. I haven't seen that. We haven't seen that consistently. So I, I don't. I don't want anything to do with Clyde Edwards-Helaire this year. <laughs> I don't care how much of a value he appears to be. 
he just he just hasn't shown anything um, to warrant that. I mean, there was that first game of the season in 2020, as you mentioned, against the Texans. Um, to, you know, to, to start that to start that year, and he he looked phenomenal. But outside of that, we haven't seen we have we we have not seen that same we have not seen that guy. Um, you know, most a lot of running backs <laughs> have have at least finished as a as the number one overall running back for the week. We've never seen him do that either. I mean, have yeah. we seen him have over twenty fantasy points in a game in a season, in a game? I don't know if we've seen that. Yeah, um, he, so he did it. A couple, he did it a couple times his rookie year, but um, just very inconsistent overall. Yeah. I mean, if I don't, if he, if I know that he can get around two, two hundred, two hundred and twenty touches, then I'd be a little more comfortable. But I mean, last year I don't think he got over one hundred fifty. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, now, granted, he only played ten games last year, and he was hurt. Um, there was he he was injured, but those those metrics are still concerning, even up until even even up until game ten. Like there's there's he's there's still a lot to be desired with him, and I, I I'm just I'm I'm fading him everywhere. Uh, he's he's on my I usually have a do not draft list. I'll probably I'll probably publish that at some point in the off season later in the off season, and he'll square he will firmly be on it. He will firmly be on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just I don't feel comfortable with taking him at at that at that spot at twenty four, uh, yeah. and, and then his backup Ronald Jones at forty two. I don't I mean I don't know either. Obviously, is later in the in the in the um, the the late rounds, um, and I mean that's where you take your shots at the at the handcuff. I wouldn't blame you if you do it. I just don't know how they're going to deploy him. So. Don't uh, do just, it. Please don't do <laughs> it. <laughs> and then uh let's talk about the the wide receiver room. Another ambiguous situation with, with these uh potentially four pass catchers with uh Juju, like we talked about. Uh he's going to wide receiver 38, which is 86 overall. I, I don't mind it. I think he like you stated at the beginning of, of the Chiefs series, uh, that we think he's gonna probably be the, be the most Utilize wide receiver out of out of the whole group, uh, going to eighty six. That's around the the beginning of the was that the the beginning part of the eighth round. I wouldn't mind taking dart on him at that point um, if you know he's going to be he's going to be one of the main pass catchers in this offense. So I don't I wouldn't blame you if you if you went out towards him and he's going to be utilizing the slot most likely. Uh, in, in I'm looking at a. Sorry to interrupt. I'm looking at an updated ADP, and it looks like now he's getting pushed all the way up to wide receiver 27, and that's towards the end of the fifth round. Really? Yeah, he's he. Yeah, that's that's you know under underdogs uh, latest um, ADP 56 overall for Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know no, about that no. one. <laughs> I don't know no, about that no, one, buddy. I don't know. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a little rich for me. Um, quite rich. It's quite rich. But I mean, th- those are people being aggressive, thinking that he's going to be the guy, and they're going to be a lot of pass attempts in the offense, I suppose. So um, we got MVS. He's going to wide receiver sixty-seven, which is pretty much at the. I mean that's pretty much free. That's the end of the draft. That's round 15, 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be the field stretcher. Um, I'm not sure how much you want to trust that. Um, I know last year with Green Bay, he was number one in ADOT with almost 18 yards. He was 19th in deep targets with 22. 
Um, and then yards per reception, he was at 16 and a half, which was fifth overall in the league. So uh, this is a guy that you can take advantage of if you're, you know, if you have one of those filling weeks, he can definitely do that because he can take a 50 yard touch uh, pass for a touchdown at any point. So and we, we've we seen him do that with with Aaron Rodgers and he can definitely do it with Pat Mahomes. We also got Sky Moore, the rookie from West, Western Michigan. He's going to wide receiver 54, which is 129, which is basically the end of the 11th round. And again, um, I, I think he's one of these guys where it's, it's going to probably take him a little bit of time before he gets acclimated just because of how ambiguous this, this potential uh, wide receiver room is. And you got veterans that in front of him on top of that. So I think for him – you might see you might see something from him maybe later on in the season as he gets acclimated to the NFL. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. Price picks that got him at over under 800 receiving yards. That's, I mean, in my opinion, I think that's rich because just because if you you run the numbers in terms of rookie wide receivers these past couple of years getting over 800 yards, I think the list was like of I think three wide receivers last year, and I think like maybe four of the year before. So it's just 800 yards from a, from a rookie wide receiver is a lot. Um, so yeah. if it was me, I'm taking under on that. I, I know I have, I'm probably going to be smashing that some more, yeah. uh, but that's my, <laughs> that's just my opinion on that. And then um, Nicole Hartman, wide receiver 63, he's going on 151 overall, which is the 13th round, middle of 13th. Again, somebody you can get late. <sighs> I mean, I don't know what this guy, I mean, that they they didn't pick up his fifth year option, so this is probably his last year with them. Yeah. He's the most senior wide receiver on the uh, on the team, but we've never seen him being utilized in such a manner that you you'll feel good about you know starting him on a weekly basis. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, think I, these, I, I think in these situations you you kind of you kind of want to take the, the 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 cheapest guy, but the problem is is that they're you know, out of Marcos Vada, Scantling, Skymore, and McCall Ardman, they're kind of going, you know, close. They're pretty close, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean I, so I don't know how, I don't know how, how that principle is really going to hold up, especially if they're going so close to, you know, close, so close to each other. Skymore yeah. is the most expensive guy. And um, if I were to, if I was to take a shot in the dark at any of these guys, I'd probably take a shot at McCall Ardman because he's, he's the only guy that has rapport and chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, obviously we haven't seen him be good in three years with Mahomes on, the, you know, <laughs> catching passes from Mahomes. But since he's the only guy um, and there's three new guys coming in, I think I think he has somewhat of an inside track and some, some somewhat of an advantage over the other guys in terms of knowing the offense and knowing how that Patrick Mahomes, you know, works and things of that nature. So um, may, maybe maybe we could see something from Michael Hardman this year. So, you know, uh, and he's he's it's not like he's going to cost you anything. Right. It's not you're not going to reach to draft him. He's just going to either be on the waiver wire or he'll probably be like a, a last pick dart throw. Everybody has one of those. Everybody has those last picks that, you know, they they hope to hit the jackpot on. And maybe he's one of those guys that, ha- that it just so happens to, to be him this year. Who knows? But yeah. if, if I were to take any of these guys, it's probably it's probably be McCall Harden because he, he knows the offense um, better than the others. Yep. And then the last pass catcher, you know, the 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 guy that is going to be the number one on this offense is Travis Kelsey, tied in one, going 12th overall. So the, basically at the end of the first round, again, 
I get it if you want to take him there. He's a little, he, I, just a year old, a year older than he was last year. So he's what thirty three now, I think thirty two, thirty three. So yeah, he's um, the early thirties. Um, I know elite tight ends they can they can continue to be elite at, at the later years, later stages of their career. But I can't t- I can't take a tight end this early just because you'll be missing out on potentially an elite uh, running back. But again, he he is the elite tight end. Uh, in the league with uh, with Mark Andrews. This is the first time since 2017 that we saw Travis Kelsey not be tight end one. Uh, like I said, t- uh, Mark Mark Andrews had a phenomenal this uh, year this past season, and he overtook that spot. But Travis Kelsey last year, he was number one in routes ran, uh, yak, and total touchdowns, and then he was number two in receptions, receiving yards, and targets. So if anybody in this offense that you want to trust – Travis Kelsey is the person um, for sure. Outside of that, we we really don't know because it's pretty much a new new bunch and McCall Harmon who hasn't really done anything in his career so far. So, yeah, want to add anything else? Yeah, he's currently going around the range of Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Swift. So, out of, out of those players, would you take Travis Kelsey out of any over any any of those players? Me personally, I would not take him over Chase. I would not take him over Mixon. Um, I'd, I'd be kind of up in the air uh, on on Swift. I wouldn't take him over Stephon Diggs, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts on those because those, that's kind of the range where he's going to be going um, in most drafts this fall. I I agree with everything you said. I, Swift would be the guy that I'd be be most hesitant to take over over Kelsey, but everybody else with no hesitation, I'll take them take them over over Kelsey for sure. Especially with Mark Andrews going seven picks later at pick yep. twenty, um, yep. I probably wouldn't. Take Travis Kelsey anyway. So, if I were to, so yeah, I think I think this is pretty a pretty easy easy one for me. Yep, yep, yep. And that is the end of the episode, people. Uh, this is the AFC teams outlooks. You no, know, we touched on players that we feel that would be fantasy relevant coming from each each team and how we how we outlook those situations. So hopefully you take some, some content from there and be able to apply to your, you know, your upcoming free uh, redraft redraft leagues and, and in your, your dynasty leagues, if you're looking for somebody that you might want to get exposure to, to, to make a trade with or whatnot. So uh, Ike, you got anything else before we, we leave? No, um, that's, I think, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We hopefully, you know, you guys got some actionable information and um, you know, you're able to apply it to your squads. And make some and make some pretty uh, smart decisions um, based on the information that we uh, convey to you guys. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about the NFC North, so we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, just uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at OffTheLineFF, and then follow me on Twitter at just underscore Ico nine, and follow Jeans at Fantasy Jeans at G E N E S, um, and then follow you know and follow and follow the you know follow the show. Uh, everywhere where your podcast can be found we're, we're under the destination devi channel and we have a lot of dope content on there so just please you know feel free to check it out subscribe hit the like button rate review um gene you got anything else man i don't got anything else i'm excited to talk about the nfc north next week so you no know, well holla at y'all next week y'all be safe i'm right peace